This episode of Future Construct is supported by Applied Software. We would like to thank them so much for supporting us. Uh, Applied Software is really on a mission to transform industries. They empower their clients and champion innovation with real world expert consultants. So to reach them, you go to asti.com, that's A-S-T-I.com, and please tell them that we at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. Thanks so much. Hi, welcome. I'm Amy Peck, your host for Future Construct. And today we have a very good friend of mine, Damon Hernandez, who is not only feeling particularly festive today, but is the co-founder and director of technology at Idea Builder. Uh, founder and executive director at AEC Hackathon, uh, was also a product manager at Samsung Research for many years, and just kind of all around great guy. Hi, Damon. Hi, Amy. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you? Doing well, doing well. Thank you. Good, good. So let's dive right in. We, we've known each other for a while. Um, you know, you have tremendous expertise in the XR space in general. Um, but also in the space that we that we talk a lot about here at Future Construct, uh, you know, around BIM and around construction and AEC and optimizing workflows. And so I'd love to talk about maybe some of the projects that you're working on. Yeah. Um, so thank you again for having me. And uh, the projects I work on mainly are around uh, how do we use 3D data that's generated um, ideally from the manufacturers and the fabricators. Uh, further down the construction uh, process and and how does that data continue to have you know value to all the different stakeholders so very much following the BIM process and um, got involved with that back in about 2007 um, working with the timber fabrication company based out of the pacific northwest so um, at a very high level that's kind of what it is is you know how do we take that data and and again reuse it not just an in interactive 3d for mobile and tablet but also for vr and ar um, when I got into uh, Web3D back in 2000 um, with, with Thermal and then X3D, um, that was kind of the goal is, was more around, you know, um, 3D data and then what were the standards for that? And then also looking at, um, you know, just the built environment. So I'd have to say that uh, this year would be 20 years where it was looking at how do we kind of take uh, as a gross oversimplification, but kind of Google Earth and PS5 now and kind of smash them together and deliver it all on www. Excellent. And so, you know, when you started, it was quite early in terms of, especially around VR and, and the tools available, and certainly the hardware wasn't there yet. Um, and now this evolution has occurred, and you know, we we actually do have headsets that are that are wearable. The fidelity is good. We can actually, you know, have a, a reasonably high number of, of polygons in our environments. And so, you know, how has that changed the way that you're sort of looking at the technology and kind of bringing it into these workflows now that the hardware is really here? And now, of course, the network infrastructure is almost here to really support it. Yeah, well, um, definitely, you know, the, the network infrastructure is, is the key thing. Um, what's exciting for me is that it's just becoming something that's the norm, right? If we see a lot of these solutions now, a lot of folks are rendering um, 3D data for construction or others, right, um, in web pages. So Web3D is, is just kind of that, um, it's, it's here, it's not going anywhere. And, and so um, what's nice about the technology now is that it is ubiquitous and, and uh, more folks see the need to kind of have this form of communication. 
and then seeing the way that the web is evolving uh, to include things like VR and AR uh, through the WebXR device API and, and the great work that the Immersive Web Working Group is doing. So it's very exciting times from that. Um, I think where um, I know I fell short in, in my being excited about 3D online, we're just around all the permissions around security and other things that um, you know are important. And, and so that's kind of the next step of where I'd like to see the hardware and, and more of the software go. It's just trying to make sure that um, not just for construction, but, but for the built environment professions and medical and all these others, it's looking at you know, more around security of the data that we're accessing in these types of environments. Yeah, that's a that's an important point. And I think, you know, as we also start to think about how we're going to be wiring smart buildings into smart cities, I think then that access and those controls become much more important. Um, do, you know, have you seen solutions that are out there or, you know, who's who's responsible for that? Is that, you know, a network mm -hmm. protocol? Is that standards bodies? Well, I think it's a combination of different folks kind of trying to identify what are the best practices, right? And and so with that, um, part of it is, you know, the onus is on the application developer. Um, and, and, it, and that's what's exciting, right, is, is uh, there, there are more things out there that the web gives us the ability to do than game engines for um, a lot of needs that, you know, uh, exist currently. Now, where it's a little bit different, is, is that you know a lot of um, the VR and AR that we see are being done in the game engines and not necessarily with the web. And so developers there are a little bit um, tied to the, the limitations of the tools that they're using. Um, so I hope that as the game engines support more of web technologies and then more web developers start using VR and AR and looking at that, that hopefully we'll get there sooner than later um, but it is important, right? I mean, if, if for the built environment, if I'm, again, looking at a nuclear power plant or if I'm pulling in, you know, a federal building or a bank or something like that, right? What is that environment that I'm bringing it into? Um, what is the biometric authentication, right, that can be used to authenticate the user? And so these are just some of the things that currently I'm trying to focus on is how do we have these kind of secure XR um, experiences that are mobile first? And you also, so let's talk a little bit about the, the hackathon as well. Um, mm -hmm. just, just because, I, you know, I, I, I think that uh, in, on, the, on the one hand, hackathons that I've been involved in, I never even knew that, you know, someone like me, I'm not a coder, but I understand the business application. It never occurred to me to be part of a hackathon. Hmm. And then uh, I was at a company actually called Leap Motion where we all had to be part of the hackathons. And mm -hmm. I actually realized that, okay, actually I'm not, completely useless here. Like I can steer this, <laughs> this project. Um, and so I'd love to, to actually talk about that and also inspire people who, who mm. may have different types of experience, not to be afraid of being involved in hackathons. So I'd love to just hear your experience there. Yeah. Um, so, so just real quick. So the hackathon you're talking about is the AEC architecture engineering construction hackathon um, that we kicked off uh, about, uh, well, it was 2013. It was November, 2013. And, and so I think now uh, we just concluded our 45th event um, in a variety of different countries uh, around the world. And so um, what, what was exciting about that is the goal was to bring technologists together with people from industry to solve the Monday through Friday problem. And, and so where that's a little different than the hackathons I'd go to as a tech um, uh, 
person is, is that you did have people that didn't know about tech at all, right? Um, but in one way, that's the most important, right? We see this in Silicon Valley a lot where tech's made for tech's sake. And then someone stops and says, hey, did you ever talk to the person that you built that for? Um, and, and this kind of solves that problem, right? Is, is it empowers back the person who's boots on the ground um, and, and they have an idea for an app. And, and usually we even state, you know, what's your, your um, proficiency level with technology? You know, are you an expert? Um, all the way down to, I think I can find the power button. And, and so, um, so with that said, uh, I, I highly encourage people from industry uh, to participate. And, and now there, there, there are other hackathons. Um, you know, we, we kind of kicked off something that um, there's, a, there's, you know, a few great ones. Uh, Thornton Tomasetti has a great hackathon to participate in um, as his digital built environment group. And, and then I think the, the group here as well. So um, I would highly encourage uh, for folks from the industry to go and participate because it is um, that you you know what the solutions need to be, right? You know what the problems are. So if, even if you don't code, um, you're way more valuable than you think you are, at least if these are. Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a great lesson because I would like to encourage business people to, you know, be more involved in hackathons. I think it's really important. So what are some of the interesting solutions that you've, that you've seen over the years, you know, that, hmm. that came out of the hackathon that maybe even became, you know, full-blown products? Yeah, well, we, we, we've had a few um, companies that have come out, which is kind of cool. Uh, Builderbox.io is one, and, and then some in, in, in the international markets. Um, but it's, it's really about tools, right? That's what's been interesting to see is what do people come and what do they build? And, and a lot of times they're just trying to build tools for internal um, processes. So, uh, for example, um, you know, if we were to go 2D and flat, uh, and I think the URL is still up, but there was this one um, by a group of guys, uh, Rogers O'Brien Construction there in Texas. Uh, they were trying to find, um, you know, essentially subcontractors that they enjoyed working on and how do they rate their crew? So they made a, a Tinder-like app where you could left swipe or right swipe on the performance of the person and then have, you know, um, it was called rate my subs. Uh, and then you have things where I'm um, like tracking lost tools on a job site. Um, and, and then sometimes in simple solutions, one guy came and found, uh, you know, just a group of developers where all they did was uh, build a very simple program that looked to see when the computer was hung on Revit. So that way, they, if they were loading these large models that took eight to 10 to 15 minutes, well, is the computer actually loading the model or is it hung? And if it were hung, then it would send, uh, you know, something out to IT to update the machine. And, and, you know, and even the developers said, you know, hey, it took us an hour to build this. But the, but the business model for the guy was, it was, hey, you know, we try to load one of these models three or four times. That's almost an hour. And when he did the math and calculated it, uh, calculated it out, he was going to save just his team roughly around 10 grand of, of yearly. And then, you know, and then run that across these different uh, teams across his organization. So that's what's really neat is that um, you, you get sometimes these super simple hacks or you'll get things all the way to extreme to where a guy came at Austin when we were there uh, hacking in City Hall. And, and uh, he was an insurance, uh, he, he insured buildings. And so they were looking at how do we take the BIM models and then bring them into an interactive 3D environment that also communicated with the HoloLens to do airflow analysis and see uh, how we were beating up these buildings uh, for, for insurance simulation. So, so it's really, it, it runs the whole spectrum, concrete estimation, you know, all the way to, um, you know, how do you get kids into construction? So, yeah. 
I think that's great. Yeah, and I think the the optimization of workflows um, as well is is really important. I would like to thank the team at Applied Software for supporting this episode of the Future Construct podcast. With solutions for really any modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering their clients and being the champions of innovation with real world expert consultants. They have a comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing with a singular focus helping you achieve higher performance. So with software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered for all of your workflow needs. And BIM Designs is proud to be a client and partner of Applied Software. So you can reach them at asti.com, it's asti.com, and please let them know that we here at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. Um, so, do you have a favorite? Do you have something that somebody built? That you Ooh, started? what's your favorite child? Um, I, I know, you know, I know, it's uh, hard it's, to say, or a, or a couple. You know, um, <laughs> without getting anybody upset. <laughs> well, well, I, you know, I don't think I, I do. I just have to say that. Um, well, I take that back. I think one, one that sticks out more than any other is, uh, you know, we've been very uh, process and utility focused. Go figure. Um, but uh, at Copenhagen uh, last year. Um, there was a young lady who came and she uh, took built environment related data because that's kind of the, the, the guidelines is that, you know, it has to be a built environment focused solution. And, and hers was pretty awesome. She uh, took the data from cities that they generated on crime statistics and, and then wanted to, as a woman, and, and then in India where she was from, wanted to plot what is the safest, not the fastest route from point A to point B. Now that that was awesome because I, I think it brought back into um, you know just the need for it starts with the humans first right and and um, and so that was kind of neat so now we have the best hack for humans using built environment related data that's there so um, all of them are great but I think that one was really great because um, as as I've seen in all the different countries that I'm able to go to it is kind of interesting to see uh, where, um, like in Copenhagen and some of these other international markets, they all the solutions really start with the person first and not the problem, which is different. So I'd have to say if I had one that kind of stood out, it, it might be that one. I love that. Well, actually, so I'm in the process. I'm here now in Austin, Texas, and I'm relocating the company here, and I'm doing exactly that. So I would, <laughs> I think I need to get her number so I can find out, like, okay, where, do, where, where should I base the office? Where should everyone live? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think so. I think that's a great use case. Yeah. And, and so, you know, how, how do people get involved? What's, what's the best way to, to find you and, and sign up? And, and when's the next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, aechackathon.com is, is the best way to find out, you know, uh, the past events and things like that. And, and then, um, you know, with the next one, uh, with uh, COVID, it's kind of tough to say. Uh, the next one planned is um, Zurich, but it will probably be all online. So, so right now with the pandemic, we're just trying to, to wait until we really um, say what will be the physical locations. But they did just wrap one up in Shanghai. Um, so looking forward to some of the material coming out of that one. That's great. So let's um, kind of shift back to maybe some of the specific products. I don't, I don't know how much you can share about what you're working on now, but even if it, there's some sort of, you know, some overarching high level, um, mm-hmm. just some of the work that you're doing and you're focused on right now. 
Yeah. Um, well, at the uh, at the day job, um, it is looking at uh, essentially just you know again how do we give superpowers to residential home builders? I think that's the key thing, right? A lot of the innovations and in technology we see are still for the big firms. Um, but but if you're just somebody who you know the usual flow. I mean, I'm natively from Texas, and and to be quite honest, Home Depot was your one-stop shop for your labor, your materials, like everything, right? And and so how do you bring technology superpowers, digital fabrication, all of these things to those folks? So at a high level, that's what I'm working on. Um, Application-wise, um, I'm really exploring right now uh, multi-device experiences, and this was something that I was able to um, really explore more at Samsung, um, is, is that, you know, right now uh, we see a lot of interactive 3D on phone, and then there will be you know, what's that experience for a tablet and then what's that experience in VR. Uh, whereas a lot of what I'm exploring is, is you know, I have uh, an, an immersive experience. How does that look on the phone? How does that act differently if I sync my watch, if I sync an AR headset? And so how does the experience itself change depending upon the peripheral I'm adding to it instead of how does my experience look differently across different peripherals? And, and so, um, so that's fun uh, kind of exercise and, and, and design exploration um, that's kind of neat because that was what was fun about the, you know, uh, Samsung ecosystem, right, is that, you know, uh, being on the web platform team there, the watch had a browser, the phone had a browser, the tablet had a browser, the VR headsets had a browser, the televisions had a browser. And, and so, you know, how could you work with applications where maybe you can flick it from your phone to the TV, use your watch level to change, you know, features and things like that. So, um, so yeah, so that's just some of the kind of the, the fun type things I'm working on currently. So, and that's one of the, the big challenges as well, um, because we have wearables, they're coming. I mean, you know, they've been rumored now for quite a while, but we know they're coming at some point. And, you know, we're, we're, Facebook has been, you know, touting their deal with Luxottica, so they may actually look like magic wayfarers. How much will that change the way that we think about these sort of 3D overlays, especially around BIM. You know, you really can have this kind of living, breathing BIM that lives, you know, you know, past the, you know, through the built environment, wires into the smart cities, uh, you know, allows like things for continued maintenance or retrofitting. Um, but there's, you know, from what I've heard, there's such a, and you talked a little bit about this, 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 yes, I can find the power button to I'm an early adopter how will that impact and how long do you think it'll take before those boots on the ground start to feel comfortable with this level of technology? Mm -mm -mm. Well, I think if it helps you do your job better, um, you're going to get familiar with that technology before Friday, uh, you know, um, <laughs> and, and, and uh, I think, I think that's the, where we're at right now, you know, um, still a lot of the, the immersive technologies uh, to the masses are, um, what are they good for? you know, beyond Snapchat filters and, and finding Pokemon and things like that. Um, so, so if you can really drive that utility, now what's interesting to see um, in the built environment professions, right, is of course, you know, communication. That's the number one. It really boils down to these tools help with communication, um, you know, coordination and all of those things. And then uh, of course the training component of it, right? Um, which is huge because right now we're having an issue with the trades, right? Um, trades have a bad, you know, um, stigma to them. It's, it's one of those things, you know, you go into a trade, if you can't get into college and you can't join the military is kind of the thinking, right? 
and and um, and so we're in a new time. And so, how can you use technology to be your Tony Stark plumber, right? Not your grandfather's plumber in these types of things. So, I I'm starting to see more of uh, the adoption of it from like the unions, the trades, and things like that. And then also the generation um, is is more tech friendly. So to answer your question, I think it's happening now, right? It is happening. Um, it's just more of, I, I think a lot of the, the conversation in construction is around the individual's mindset, right? Even I'm guilty of, of saying, oh, we're such an antiquated industry. Oh, we're, you know, we're behind the fishing industry in the United States, you know? And, and um, but, but the reality of it is, no, there's lots of people innovating, right? There's been more implementation of VR and AR uh, to stay than there has been in gaming. How many games have sold HoloLens units, right? How many games um, uh, are, are helping move this technology the way that these enterprise industries have? And as you know, right, that's what we constantly hear. Entertainment isn't really moving the needle on these hardware cells as much as enterprise solutions are. Um, so, so yeah, I think that it's it's just it's 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 that. A uh, thing that we don't see, but it's totally happening. And I think, as I've mentioned before, but I love this. I was at a uh, conference for AEC, and I saw more HoloLens and VR there than I did at GDC. And I remember asking one of the guys, I said, hey, um, why don't you come and talk to some of the AR, VR groups? You know, um, people would love to see how people are using this. And it would just, you know, um, put some wind in some people's cells to see some fresh faces. And, and he said, uh, you know, hey, Damon, have you ever used a hammer? And I said, yes. And he said, how many hammer conventions have you gone to and told them how awesome the hammer is? When you start doing that, I'll come to yours. And, and um, you know, and, and, and not the answer I wanted to hear, but a beautiful answer, right? Because I think that that is what it is, right? Don't get excited about the tool, just use the tool. And, and if you're using the tool, then you're not really having time to go talk about it. Um, but it is, it is happening, so that's exciting to see. Well, it's funny you say that because I... I... I think because we spent so many years, you know, all of us, and, and we're sort of a small industry now, so we do tend to know each other. Mm. And that's why I started calling us the second grade soccer team, because we would just travel around in a pack around the ball and go from conference to conference telling each other how amazing ARVR was. And so I think you and I both started going to more industry-specific conferences because those are the people who needed to know about it. Well, that's where the money is. High-fiving people, high-fiving people that, that also, you know, talk about how great the future is, is, is not going to uh, pay the bills quite as good as talking <laughs> to people who, you know, uh, see a tool and, and can implement it. So, to, you know, to your point, I do think that there, you're right on both counts that, you know, in the AAC industry, there are some companies that are much slower to adopt, but then there are a lot of companies who are really innovating tremendously um, I've even seen some companies, I mean, I'm, I've been amazed to hear some stories about even like Toll Brothers, uh, you know, and how they're leveraging the technology and how they're really starting to really wire together this end-to-end -end solution that starts uh, from the design phase and, and getting approvals through, through uh, key stakeholders all the way through to, you know, consumer-facing sales process. Mm. But for the companies that are still kind of just dipping their big toe in or are just in this wait-and-see mode, What's some of the advice that you would give to them to get started in a way that feels manageable? Because I think it's more a fear factor and an expense factor that they're concerned that it's just, you know, it's, it's like Pandora's box. Once you open mm. it, then you're just, you know, spending money on new technology. Mm. Well, I think it's like anything. You have to identify what am I using it for? Okay. Um, 
to get VR for VR's sake, what a waste of money. Um, but if you know that you're getting this because you're going to solve coordination problems, or you're getting this to solve these specific issues. So I think um, that would be the, the first place to start, you know, and, and, and VR for construction is nothing new, right? There's an organization, I think it's called Construct VR or something like that, but a quick Google query will show you it's in its 20th year and it's called like the event, you know, conference for virtual reality and construction applications. So there's plenty of information out there as far as how can you use this, um, you know, technologies to, to solve construction related problems. So I think that would be the first thing that I would say for those that are kind of uh, dragging ass to be quite honest, uh, because it's, it's different in different markets, right? And, and I'm seeing the adoption of, you know, the conversations are much different. The hacks even are much different, right? Um, here in the States, we'll see here a hack where people are like, oh, well, let's use 3D to go into this type of environment and then display the information. Whereas, you know, that same hack, if I heard it in like say Europe, let's use IFC to go into this other standards type thing. So then, you know, and, and, and so the, the thoughts are further along. So I would say one, um, look at what's happening across the pond, right? I mean, you know, um, building is very localized, but I think a lot of us share a lot of the same problems. And, and there are ways that other people can figure it out. And that excuse of like, oh, well, they can do it there and we can't do it here this way. Uh, that's BS, right? Um, it applies sometimes, but most of the time that's not the case. And, and, and so it is to your point right now, we're at a cultural problem, not a technological problem. And so for those that don't feel comfortable with it, I think there's way more than enough data points out there to validate how to use it. And then if not, then just go within your own organization and then ask people and say, hey, how could looking at the 3D data add value to what you're doing? Because that's all VR and AR are the next step of that, right? I'm looking at the information. I don't fully understand it. Now I need to see it to scale or I need to bring it here and look at it um, to, to really understand. So, so I would just say, yeah, look at all the different ways that it's being used. Yeah, and I think too, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you know, AEC is a, an industry that is, is used to working in 3D, and yet we're used to kind of ingesting the data in it, in, on 2D screens. And so it would seem a very logical progression to move into this 3D realm. And, you know, there are a lot of off-the-shelf solutions, and I can certainly name a few, but you probably know some that I don't. Are, are there some that are standouts for you uh, that, you know, you could really just license a piece of software and get started? Um, well, when it comes to, to interactive 3D, um, yeah, I think there are some, you know, that, that are available out there uh, for, for viewing. Um, again, it's, it's a pretty standard thing, right? Upload your IFC or upload your Collider or GLTF and then spin it around. So there's, there's a lot of different visualization things out there. And then as far as the VR viewers go, um, all of them out there are great. The only reason why I'm not going to name any is because um, the ones that I want to see are the ones that don't limit someone just to AR or VR, right? What is the, hey, I'm on my mobile phone. How can I have my interactions and our design coordinations while you're in VR? I'm on the phone and things like that. And so um, if there are those types of applications that are really about, again, cross-device experience, um, then, then those are the ones I'd like to know more about. So that way I can answer your question with specific company names. 
Yeah, and I'd like to drill down into that more because I do. I I really think that you are a hundred percent right when you know you say this this cross device piece, and it's something that you really focused on in your career. How easy or difficult is it to kind of move these three D assets from mobile environments to AR environments to three D environments? Um, and does it kind of start with this concept, like building a concept of a three D asset library? Well, well, you definitely need the asset library, right? So, for example, like with with us at Idea Builder, you know, um, we were taking fabrication-ready 3D components of wall panels and, and individual cut timbers, and then bringing that into a variety of different applications um, that were web-based uh, mainly, and, and that started back in 2008. So, um, you know, and, and that the whole goal there, right, is is about um, you know, build once, display many. That was the great thing about Vermal and X3D. Is, is a language is that you could build something and then with a small amount of tweaking, it could now be AR, it could now be VR. It wasn't build a VR application. Now build and, and you know, all the interactivity with the asset lived in the scene graph, right? And you were just defining different peripherals and then changing the UI and UX a little bit. So um, I, I think that right now, and again, my bias is web, that is the easiest, right? There's browsers across everything. Um, and, and that gets around the issues of, you know, downloading things, you know, is it sending data? Is it collecting more data than it should for what it's doing? Um, so I think with the web, there, there are solutions there, right, that are available. Um, again, it's just people doing uh, their due diligence to look and see what's the right one. And so what's next for you? What are you excited about in the next, I don't know, three, five years? Um, well, I think what's exciting for the next three to five years is just to see the cost of everything continue to drop, right? The hardware is going to continue. I mean, Oculus is going to get cheaper. I mean, Facebook could give them away, right? It's, it's not in their business model. Um, and so I think that's going to happen. I think um, all of the real world issues are, are going to come in uh, to play. So the things around security are going to be way more important, um, you know, accessing information and whatnot. I think the way that we see a lot of these other uh, industries that relate with built environment data are going to be kind of just overlapping. I mean, you're hearing that now, right? More people from the AR cloud are talking about digital twins and, you know, like it's a new word for them and, but it's you know, something's been around for a while. So, um, so that's, what's kind of neat, right? Is, is that the real world is the stage for a lot of these uh, immersive experiences, entertainment built environment related or not. And so what I, uh, see is going to happen is that as the real world gets better at um, chronicling and, and digitizing these assets, that hopefully there's more communication about the proper and secure way to bring those assets into applications. A, the next thing I think will be uh, great to see is how do people restrict what information is accessed, placed on their real world, right? And so I think that's the thing is as the the lines of the real and the digital uh, blend more and pass just the, again, catch a Pikachu kind of thing. Um, we're going to see a lot more, um, I think, restrictions, a lot more concerns around privacy and security and, and things like that. Um, so that's kind of exciting for me. And as far as the hardware goes, the hardware is going to continue to get better. It'll continue to get cheaper. Um, but it's just more about the design thinking. That's, that's what I'm trying to push for now, or, or who are the people that are designing for, you know, I'm on an experience on my phone. Now I've put on my AR glasses. How do I push that experience up, but still use my phone as a controller, still use the AR, you know, that kind of thing. 
a lot of good things coming. And I'm hoping that, you know, in a year or two, anyone listening to this uh, will hear this next question and it'll feel like a distant memory. But, you know, what, what do you think the impact has been uh, uh, with COVID and, and, you know, people now trying to stay connected? And in a lot of ways, it's fast-tracked a lot of these initiatives. Uh, what have you seen in some of the projects that you've worked on? Um, well, I mean, the, the need for 3D, right, for remote, um, that's definitely a lot more reality capture, um, way more reality capture. Uh, so, so that's one of those things that I think COVID has changed. The need for communication, again, um, has changed. Um, you know, seeing now that people are uh, looking at things like spatial, you know, so that's, that's, that's what's fascinating is when in the industry, folks that I know, they know what VR and AR is. I mean, a lot of folks in the industry do, but how many of them use it? But then when they're telling me about different collaboration platforms that they're trying out or that they own Oculus, Oculi, um, it's, you know, that's, uh, um, that, that to me is, is um, exciting to see, right? Because um, it's, it's mainstream. That's the main thing. It's like, you know, almost every architecture firm I know has one of these headsets, you know, um, small or big. And, and now it's just, I think, kind of getting it more to the people, um, again, on the day-to-day. I love that. So I asked this question of everyone. So project yourself, you know, 20, 30 years in the future, mm-hmm. and you can create or have just any gadget to make your life better, easier mm-hmm. on a personal level. Mm-hmm. What would it be? And what would it do? Yeah, I think I would just have an app um, that would uh, collect work experience. Um, you know, I think that's, that's one of the issues that, that, that if I could build any application, I think that's what it would be. Um, not so much for myself, but right now, you know, I mean, we're seeing a huge vacuum. Again, this goes back to what I said earlier, a lot in the trades and others, right? Um, we're about to lose, you know, big percentages of entire industries. And, and these people um, aren't passing their information along, right? And, and so if I could make any application, I think that would be the app that I would do is, you know, how can we kind of in a very user-friendly way uh, capture a lot of this, um, you know, decades of experience and, and then have someone be able to, to go in and, and learn. That's great. Damon Hernandez, knowledge transfer device. Yeah, exactly. Coming, coming to a headset near you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, mobile first, mobile first. Excellent. 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 Well, Damon, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for joining today. Yeah, thank you for having us. Talk to you soon. All right, thank you, Amy. Bye.